Welcome to the Wellbeing Podcast. Welcome into the room and into our conversation surrounding well-being in its many forms. Hi everyone, this is Sophie Matthews, the host for this podcast. Today we have Maya Ram. She is a fourth-year world arts culture major with a minor in public health. She's part of the Alternative Breaks organization, which is a social learning program for students over break. She's also part of the Sex Squad program, which we're going to hear more about. Today, she's going to share with us about her experience as a grit peer coach at UCLA. So Maya, what is this Sex Squad program? I just have to get that out of the way. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course. Uh, The UCLA Sex Squad is a collective of undergraduate students who are from a wide range across campus, um, but ultimately we are interested in sexual health, um, sex, sexuality, gender, really broadening what sexual health means. And so together we use performance art to create a show that teaches folks about sexual health, specifically LAUSD high school students. Mm -hmm. So in the fall, we actually take a course through the WAC department, my department, and create those pieces. And then in the winter quarter, we tour to different LAUSD high schools and perform that show as Mm -hmm. part of their sexual health education. But also to start a conversation about a really stigmatized topic Mm -hmm. that everyone deserves to know more about. Yeah, it's intriguing Mm -hmm. and kind of makes me think of the vaginal monologues Mm -hmm. in something, the similar medium. Yeah, it's very much based on personal experiences, like stories, humor, and really plays to people's strengths. So like if someone is a really great singer, they might do a spoken word piece that also incorporates singing as a sex one member did this year. Mm-hmm. Or we've had sex one members who are great dancers, like my year. There was someone who was an amazing dancer and they did a piece about the gender binary and their relationship to that and their process of recognizing that they were non-binary. That's so important um, Mm -hmm. to open up the conversation around such a, as you said, stigmatized topic. Yeah, Um, for sure. So moving on to GRIT. So GRIT is a program that stands for Guidance, Resilience, Integrity, and Transformation. And it's a program for undergrad and graduate students who would like some one-on-one support from a peer coach, right? Yes. Okay, so first of all, what are those words in context? Like, what does guidance, what does all this mean? I think that I, I've been in GRIT for about three years now, so the program has been a very important part of my life. And um, I think the guidance piece is very much related to the coaching model, uh, which is different than mentorship or advising mm-hmm. or counseling. Like we use this metaphor sometimes, instead of um, telling someone the directions to get to somewhere, you hand them a map as mm-hmm. a coach. So you're really letting them choose the path that they want to take you're guiding them but you're not necessarily telling them where to go mm-hmm. because that's up to the student and that's up to the individual and oftentimes um, we may doubt ourselves but we have the answers within us and we are so resilient as m- my boss Nikita Gupta who created the program always points out is that we are we are here for a reason we took c- certain steps to get here mm-hmm. and we hold all of those skills Um, in our minds, in our bodies, we know how to do things. And sometimes we just need support in seeing that Mm -hmm. and um, understanding the skills that we already have and gaining new skills when we feel like we want to continue to grow. 
And that's that transformation piece of being willing to grow, being willing to accept that we are not static. We are dynamic humans. We make mistakes. We grow from them. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think that's that integrity piece of um, accountability, of seeing ourselves as we truly are and not judging what that is. And also, you know, holding each other accountable in an authentic relationship, upholding the integrity of our program, upholding our values, and really, like, I think moving forward to grow together. Mm, Thank you. Such a wonderful philosophy where it's, like, implicit in the way it's structured that people already can gain a sense of strength and self-assurance, as you said, to provide a map. So I really like that. Um, What made you want to become a peer coach? Yeah, my my entrance into grit was very interesting. I think it's an opportunity that kind of fell into my lap. I was at a National Public Health Week event that was put on by the School of Public Health. And in the follow-up email, you know, they talked about the grit peer coaching program that they were hiring. And I had just gotten back from a spring break trip through alternative breaks Mm -hmm. that really taught me a lot about mental health and harm reduction and, you know, working at an individual's pace. And I was just really captivated by that sort of philosophy. And I saw that it sort of resonated a lot with the grit program. Mm -hmm. And I, I felt like I was hoping to grow my skills around around building better relationships, around supporting my peers and in really diving into mental health. I think that's what led me to apply, but I couldn't anticipate how much it would really change my life because I think my relationship to mental health, while while I was very comfortable talking about it with others and mm-hmm. in the context of like, what's going on with you? Mm-hmm. But I think I had really frozen off my own um, emotions and awareness around Mm -hmm. my mental health, around mental health of my family. I have a long history of family history of mental illness in my family. I myself um, struggled with depression in high school and didn't know it and really judged myself a lot for it. Mm -hmm. Really thought I was just being lazy and overdramatic and really didn't have anyone to talk to about it. Um, even though my mom has worked through depression as well, has struggled with it herself, mm. it was still really challenging. And I think maybe an underlying reason that I applied was to really open up those doors for myself mm. to explore my own experiences because I think that has made me a better coach and a better friend and a better human. Wow. Yeah, I love that in the process of serving and helping others, you really are learning for yourself and it's like a mutual process. And I think sometimes we know what clinically depression looks like and it's easy to point out in others. And again, we need other eyes to see ourselves more clearly. Yeah, absolutely. What does a session, what does an average session look like with you? Mm-hmm. Um, so I really enjoy if a student is comfortable to begin sessions with some kind of grounding activity. I know last quarter when I was coaching, um, we always started with a meditation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like facilitating meditations. It definitely took some time to get used to it. And grit was my introduction to mindfulness and meditation. Mm -hmm. But starting with grounding because, you know, folks are coming from different places. They have to go somewhere after. 
we live in a very rushed world. And so just taking a moment to pause, to ground, to breathe, and to come into our bodies, mm-hmm. you know, noticing if there's heaviness, if there's tension, if there um, is discomfort, and just reading that information is really helpful to jump into the more conversation part of our sessions. Um, from there, I think it depends on where we're at in the quarter because usually if we're a little bit later in the quarter, we're already like, okay, it seems like we're on a path here. We're going to pick back up this topic that we were talking about last week, mm-hmm. um, see what has happened in the week in between, whether the coachee has had, had any realizations, has done any work to further process, has been practicing different self-care techniques and assessing like how helpful they have been. Mm-hmm. But if not, I think a lot of the times creating space for the student to talk about the different parts of their life and talk about who they are. In GRIT, we use something called the seven life domains, which can be really helpful to start a conversation. So in the center is education and academics, and that's like a function of the fact that we are all students. Mm-hmm. That's our like commonality. And then looking at different life domains like um, housing, employment, relationships, Mm -hmm. and these different aspects of our life that they kind of influence each other. They're interwoven. And like sometimes some are going really well and like some we are struggling with or they're on our mind a lot. They're taking Mm -hmm. up a lot of our energy. So sometimes bringing out that tool is really helpful because it's very easy to identify and separate, compartmentalize what is happening in each part of your life. So Mm -hmm. you can say, oh, like, um, you know, this is going really well for academics, but I'm noticing that I'm thinking a lot about this friendship or relationship and it's, you know, it's sort of weighing on me. Um, And you're able to to see also that there's just a balance of experiences that we Mm -hmm. have in our life, both like positive and more challenging. But yeah, that, that could be a way to start a conversation with the student and then ultimately coaches our job is to ask questions to approach it with an open and curious mind and understand you know where is this student coming from what is this experience like for this student mm-hmm. and then ultimately digging deeper to see if we can find what is underlying these emotions this self-talk and this stress what can we boil it down to because that is something that we can begin to address and additionally we can begin to see if there are any patterns um, in this student, any ways that a student reacts to things in similar ways. Mm -hmm. Because if there is a pattern, then maybe there is one tool or a couple of strategies that would work for multiple situations, Mm -hmm. which is great. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like this very much, uh, this idea of zooming out and looking at life holistically and seeing like, yeah, actually I'm doing really well here and I can celebrate that and not be so focused always on just the negatives and oh, I'm not doing enough of this and I need to fix this. I'm curious to know if this underlying thing is usually like a thought. Would you say it's like some sort of mantra almost that a negative anchor in some way yeah i like that description of a negative anchor i think in grit we call these underlying messages these core beliefs Mm. we call them schemas they are not something that we consciously form they are very much informed by our developmental experiences 
So how, how we are taught, how we learn by observing others um, as a child, and even, even in the womb, our boss talks about how our nervous system is calibrated to that of who carries us. Mm-hmm. So when they experience stress, our nervous system understands that as stress mm-hmm. and reads that as stress. And so we begin to, to form this understanding of stress from a really, really young age. And, and then as we experience the world, as we're told, no, don't do that, that's wrong. Even if it's something that you want to do, don't do it. Or, oh, you can't be like this. Or like those messages that we start to hear and internalize from a young age. And then, you know, as we continue to grow up as well, we form these schemas or Mm -hmm. these core beliefs about the world. And whenever something pushes up against those schemas, whenever something counteracts that, it can cause stress. It can cause self-talk. Those, that's what you were talking about, like those inner thoughts, um, what we tell ourselves. um, And often we are not very nice to ourselves. Mm -hmm. And additionally, it's important to note that schemas might not be something that we want to believe. A schema about, say, success might be, oh, in order to be successful, you need to make a lot of money. Someone might not agree with that, Mm -hmm. but that may still be their schema. And so as they're in the process of changing majors to something that society tells them won't lead to a a well-paying job, Mm -hmm. that can bring up a lot for them. Even if they know, I want to do this because I love it. Even if they, they know that logically, it's still in contrast with that schema that they learned from such a young age Mm -hmm. that it can bring up a lot and you know I can resonate with that story because I switched from physiological sciences to world arts and cultures Mm -hmm. (laughs) my second year and Mm -hmm. really had to figure out like what do I really think success is because I need to rewrite that story in my Mm -hmm. head the schema may never go away it may resurface when I'm not at my best when my mental health is struggling Mm -hmm. that those messages might come up again but if I can learn ways that helpfully counteract them, then mm-hmm. I'm, I'll be better served for the rest of my life. Oh, it's some transformation for you there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and a lot, of, a lot of my coaches have also experienced that. A lot of folks change majors a lot in college mm, for many reasons. Yeah. So it's been great to sort of have those journeys together. I really appreciate you bringing up these core beliefs as you know, not being eradicated over time, that it really is a journey of acceptance and just like feeding yourself other beliefs. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was wondering if there are any common core beliefs or ones that you see most often. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the times in grit, you know, it definitely varies from person to person, but for many of us, it can boil down to these very like basic ways that we view ourselves. Like I am unlovable, I am not enough. Um, things like that that are very like any it could apply to anything right it could apply to how any relationship goes it could apply to the ways in which we do or do not achieve our goals Mm -hmm. that can make us not enough that can make us unlovable that can make us these underlying things that we may have been taught or that we may have like picked up from the world as we live in a pretty violent world And it seems like these core beliefs, as you said, are so tied to our physiology. And you mentioned that you enter into the sessions with grounding activity. And I think we often walk around kind of disembodied. You know, we just were all in our thoughts and wrapped up there. So tell us more about this emphasis on the body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so Nikita is trained in yoga, 
is very adamant about body-based work, about reading um, what our body tells us as information and actually valuing that. Mm-hmm. I think for some folks on campus, we can go throughout the day being hungry and just ignore that fact um, because we are so disembodied, like you said. We're not taking the time to sit with ourselves and feel, oh, I feel that hunger. Can I, is there something I can do about it at this mm-hmm. moment? Mm-hmm. So allowing ourselves to really, like you said, leave our body and maybe not address basic needs in the process, not understand like if we're in pain Mm -hmm. or um, if we need to take a break, if we're pushing ourselves too hard. You know, if we're always walking around in our thoughts, we never really might get to take a break. Mm -hmm. Uh, So a lot of the work that we do is learning how to come into our body through mindful activities. And for some people, they might like journaling or writing. But in that process, really doing body scans from head to toe, really allowing yourself to sit with sensations. And people have a lot of different relationships to their bodies. Um, We are taught to not be in our bodies, to not want to be in our bodies, to have a difficult relationship with our bodies just based on how the messages that we are told about bodies. But through grit, we're able to, um, or I have been able to, learn how to read um, the information that cycles through my system. Mm. Um, And particularly when it comes to stress, like stress response is extremely physiological. It's a burst of hormones and it elevates, you know, it can elevate heart rate. It can slow digestion. It can have very real effects Mm. on how we experience the world Mm -hmm. and so with things like the fight or flight response um, you know there are more than just two reactions to stress there is a freeze response in which we freeze up and not know what to do and sort of that that being a survival technique Mm -hmm. just staying very still and very tense or um, fainting so for some people that means literally fainting mm-hmm. during stressful situations and for others that means dissociating, leaving the body limp and with no energy. And so really understanding, you know, what is my stress response in my body? Because if you understand that, then there are actual movement-based, body-based things mm-hmm. that you can do mm-hmm. to to come back to yourself, to to read, you know, this is where I am right now to really assess whether your body is safe or not, Mm -hmm. whether you are in physical danger or not. Because sometimes you might be, and there might be very real reasons why your body is reacting that way. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, we react that way to things like exams, too, that may not be a physical threat, Mm -hmm. but we still read them as a very real threat. Right. I think it's helpful to see it as adaptive. Like, mm-hmm. when I'm stressed out, it's because my body's afraid. Like, mm-hmm. And it can be helpful, but it can also be, like, maladaptive. So that just brings in more perspective and compassion, too. Yeah, absolutely. Understanding that your response is valid. Mm-hmm. Your body is trying to protect you. And really appreciating it for having that mm-hmm. response. Mm-hmm. Um, and understanding that. We can also shift that response if, like you said, it is not serving us, Mm -hmm. Um, if we need to move past it. Brilliant. So as we're wrapping up the podcast, what would you like listeners to take away? I think that, first of all, it is invaluable to take time throughout your day to assess where you're at in the present moment, to understand your immediate needs, and to... And to allow yourself space to just breathe and just be 
without having to do anything. Mm. And I think one of my favorite things to do if the weather is nice is just go um, to the hill by Jan Steps and sit or lay down in the sun and just kind of do a body scan. Like I mentioned before, Mm. just head to toe, focusing on, you know, the top of my head, my face, relaxing facial muscles, relaxing neck and shoulder muscles, um, and working on relaxing all the way down the body or at least just feeling and being curious what is happening in different parts of my body, Mm. allowing maybe some deep breaths in to release and to just feel like is taking deep breaths different than the normal breaths I take. Often shallow breathing is a sign that we are stressed, that we are not fully grounded, that there's something on our mind that is sort of elevating our breath up and not letting it go deep into our bodies. And then also thinking through like, what are, what are the thoughts? What's coming up for me right now? And maybe being, being curious with yourself and exploring, am I, am I criticizing right now? Am I judging myself right now? Are there ways that I can shift that? Are there, are there affirmations that resonate with me mm-hmm. that I can use? And of course, this process and this journey is very different for each individual. And I would highly recommend for anyone who would like one-on-one support, um, who would like to learn more about themselves and who would really like to invest in themselves and commit to their own growth and well-being, mm-hmm. to apply for a grit coach. Coaching is free, completely free. You meet once a week, every week for an hour, and you sign up per quarter. So, you know, you can sign up for, I think for spring right now, we have a wait list, but anytime before or during a quarter, um, you're welcome to sign up and you may be moved off the wait list anytime that there's an available coach. And you're eligible for up to two quarters of coaching and possibly more if you feel like you need more support. So it's a really beautiful program. It's a program that at its core is really about love. I think that many people in the program have found family in GRIT, Mm. have found support in GRIT, and have found rippling effects throughout their life by being involved in the GRIT peer coaching program. So I think if I could recommend anything, it would to to come check out our program we are here to support you thank you thanks so much for joining us today thank you so much (laughs) hey if you enjoyed this podcast and you want to get involved go to our page www.thewellbeingpodcast.com and contact us for a recording session we would love to hear from you